The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. We're so divided, we're blinded. We don't see the debates for what they really are, and we don't see people who disagree with us for who they really are and what led them to their beliefs. And it's led to a very reactionary, toxic culture in a lot of spaces where we would rather be able to have really robust, intelligent, and productive conversations about the issues that challenge us. Politics. There, I said it. Kind of a dirty word, right? Did it get your adrenaline pumping a bit? If not, let's try this. Trump. Biden. I'm guessing at least one of those words activated something in you. Hate or admiration. Anger or fear. And this this is a problem, isn't it? Is it just okay that politics, this tiny subset of your human experience, is so deranging? Is it right that huge parts of the American population don't even agree on the same set of facts? Should we just accept that there are uncles or cousins or siblings who are just beyond the pale and that certain topics just need to be avoided at family gatherings? My guest this week thinks it is a problem. Monica Guzman thinks it's a social problem. It's an intellectual problem. It's a spiritual problem. While it might be satisfying to know that you're right and to limit your interactions to others who know you're right, it's arguably not a recipe for a wise and well-lived life. Monica is one of the leaders of a group called Braver Angels and the author of the book, I Never Thought of It That Way, How to Have Fearlessly Curious Conversations in Dangerously Divided Times. And according to Monica, as correct as your own political views are, they're making it harder for you to see reality. If you can't get curious across divides in a polarized world, you can't see the world at all. The social science research shows us this over and over again when someone is asked to guess at the views on the other side of the political divide. They assume that those views are more extreme. We're looking at a projection instead of at a reality. Why has this happened? I call it the SOS. Sorting, othering, and siloing. Sorting is the very natural tendency to want to be around people who are like us, a tendency that only grows stronger in times of anxiety and stress. Othering is the tendency to want to push off from people who are different from us. Then finally, siloing. Siloing is the stories we tell ourselves as a result of sorting and othering, and also how Specifically, we can sculpt our digital universes, our friends, our feeds, so that we do tend to be surrounded by voices who agree with us or at least share a lot of our same experiences and perspectives. Now, judgment is important. We need to be able to judge our world to know how to negotiate it and make it better. But judgment is reckless when we don't understand what it is we're judging. Whoever is underrepresented in our lives will be overrepresented in our imaginations. 
Instead of people, we'll see monsters. Instead of possibilities, too often, we'll see disasters. That's the challenge of this polarized world. But there is a way we can meet it. Monica Guzman, welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily. Glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this chat. Why don't you maybe say just a little bit about what Braver Angels is and, and what your interest is in this book and in, in your work in general? Yeah, so Braver Angels, where I am senior fellow and I'm on the national leadership team, is the nation's largest cross-partisan grassroots nonprofit dedicated to political depolarization. So it's not about we hope to help people change their views on the issues. It's we hope to help people change their views on each other. There's a lot of vilification across these big divides that end up on a problem that I would sum up as we're so divided, we're blinded. We don't see the debates for what they really are, and we don't see people who disagree with us for who they really are and what led them to their beliefs. And it's led to a very reactionary, toxic culture in a lot of spaces where we would rather be able to have really robust, intelligent, and productive conversations about the issues that challenge us. So I'm really obsessed with this work, uh, mm -hmm. and it comes from my work as a journalist, which I can say more about, um, and also my very politically divided family. I'm a Mexican immigrant. I'm daughter of Mexican immigrants. They voted twice for Trump. I voted twice for the Democratic presidential candidates, and it's been interesting. Tell me about your your family dynamic and how you guys have navigated these polarized times. Yeah, well, part of what was interesting is we started voting in America around the same time because we mm. became citizens of the United States at the same time when they passed their naturalization exam. And I was 17. It was the year 2000. So all of a sudden we just kind of woke up and all right, it's time to be citizens. And what do we believe about our political issues? So it was a shock to me as a teenager that my parents were clearly and very quickly Republicans <laughs> and mm -hmm. because I was a Democrat and young and hadn't really thought about it that much. So we would spend a lot of time arguing about what Glenn Beck said the other night or mm -hmm. what was on CNN. And um, we got into it and there was a lot of heat. And as I like to say, you know, heat in a conversation is good. The question is whether you're cooking something or burning something. You know, if you're mm. cooking up understanding, if you're adding friction to each other's points of view that layer different truths on top of each other, that's awesome. And some discomfort is worth it. If you're burning a relationship, burning your sense of dignity, might be time to take a break, you know, or pull back. But yeah, our family dynamic is such that we're able to get mean with each other sometimes, hmm. but know that we're not cutting to the bone just because of the depth of the relationship we've built. But when you just get started on something like that, it's better to be careful and really, really yeah. thoughtful. And so the book that I wrote, I Never Thought of It That Way, has a lot of strategies for how to do it. It's impressive because you hear stories about families that have been torn apart by political differences, uh, especially in recent years. I don't want to overstate the uniqueness of Trump. I mean, I think political division has been with us for a while, and there have been some very divisive political figures. But it does feel like the age of Trump has brought things to another level uh, in terms of how heated things get, in terms of the ferocity of the opinions on both sides, really. And as much as some of us thought maybe that some of that intensity was 
in the rearview mirror, it's looking more and more like we might have a rematch of the last election, which makes a book like yours feel especially timely right now. I mean, do you feel that? Do you feel like things are possibly heating up again? Yes, definitely. I I think that we have a long road ahead of us on this. And where I see a lot of hope is where people start to look inward into what they can do. I mean, there are a lot of powerful people and powerful forces that benefit in one way or another from our division. The fact that that is the sort of core drive of so much of our discourse makes some people a lot of money and gets some people a lot of power. Um, Mm. And a lot of it really begins with our own individual kind of, all right, what am I going to do? We cannot have productive debates or even build trust, the trust that our democratic republic needs to stay functional (laughs) and to Mm -hmm. serve us the way we want it to. If we begin by believing that the other side is crazy, stupid or evil, it's those dynamics we need to fight. Let's talk about sorting. Uh, In particular, I, I assume there might be similar trends in other countries, but in the U.S., clearly this is something that's happened over the last several decades. What's your sense of how this came to be? Yeah. So uh, you're probably talking about you know geographic sorting, which is people yeah. moving and being in communities more often where they feel comfortable as a result of not really clashing that much with those people who are around them. Now, in the last couple of years, this has become particularly intense with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. We saw mm. a policy that you know, kind of pits states versus states. And a question like, you know, abortion access becomes dependent on where you live. And Mm. so that is one of the most visceral, I think, examples of red, blue, liberal, conservative sort of preferred policies that really sound like a pretty justifiable reason to go and live where your preferences reign, right? We're seeing that accelerate And that's a really key thing for all human beings is where do I belong? Well, I belong a place that I'm comfortable, that I'm secure. And Mm. I don't know that I want to be around people who feel that these key issues to me are, you know, that should be the opposite. And how much of a problem is this? I mean, isn't it just human nature to be around people that we agree with, that we like to be around? Uh, Is it really in and of itself a bad thing? No, it's not sorting is, yeah, it's the love of people who are like us. It's how we make friends. It's also how communities form and a lot of groups find their voice and their power. Mm -hmm. Part of it is about the balance, right? When we get so uncomfortable with the idea of being around those who are different from us, we risk uh, going into the following dynamic, which is that if I share my interests uh, and my perspectives with the people around me, I will also share my blind spots. And so Mm -hmm. sorting itself is not bad, but when it leads us to miss who people who are different from us really are, where everyone beyond our group is just something's wrong with them and they're out to get me, that's not a great way to live. Right. This is what you call othering, where it's not just that we're living separately from each other, that we're kind of actively demonizing or dehumanizing the people that are that are different, that are living elsewhere, that have different views. And then you talk about a kind of third dynamic, which you call siloing, which is really, uh, well, why don't you explain to me how siloing works and and why it amplifies the effects of sorting and othering? Yeah. Siloing is the stories we hear and don't hear largely as a Mm -hmm. result of sorting and othering. So when voices are speaking about the issues of the day, 
well, they're going to be the voices that were sorted to be around, right? And digitally, this is a lot more amplifiable than it would be geographically. We're spending, obviously, a lot of time in these digital spaces. There's an enormous volume of information and opinion and expression in these spaces. And it's not that we're not exposed to different ideas, but when we are exposed to different ideas, it is often through the filter of someone who agrees with us, right? So to mm-hmm. go on Twitter and, you know, you'll see this idea from the other side, but it will come with a retweeted judgment, you know, on top mm-hmm. of it. And that's how you're introduced to it. So you're getting cues about sort of what you are almost expected to think based on the groups that you belong to and the ident- identities that you hold. One of the features of, of these silos is over time, they get more pronounced. It's almost like the hole you're in along with, the other voices in your silo sort of gets deeper and deeper. And over time, the voices from other communities of thought, by the time they make it to you, they've been perverted so much beyond reality. If we could do one thing right now to break out of our silos, do you have any single tip, mm. a simple thing we could try to get out of our silo? I think it's change the ratio of where you spend time in spaces where silos have a real grip Mm -hmm. and spend more time talking to people in actual conversation uh, about issues. So listeners, would you be willing to try this with me for the next few days? Could we experiment with getting out of our silos? Let's start gently. Just be courteous to someone you know who voted for the party you disagree with. I'm not going to ask you to watch that news network, but how about just suspending judgment? Rather than assuming the worst, let's go through the exercise of imagining that the people on the other side of the political divide are sincere, functioning human beings who see things the way they do for a reason. If you're willing to come along on the ride with me, Monica will be back tomorrow and we'll talk about the master value of curiosity. Getting curious might be just what we need to bring us back from the brink of civil war. Not to be hyperbolic, but if you're interested in saving the Republic, I hope to see you tomorrow.